0: Welcome to the Menifee United Church of Christ podcast. Menifee UCC is a lively, loving, open, and affirming church. A church that follows Jesus' great commandments. Love God, love others, love yourself. A church that welcomes everyone. A church that speaks truth to power. And a church that works for justice more than just us. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound, the crowd gathered and were bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabs, in our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, "What does this mean?" But others sneered and said, "They are filled with new wine." But Peter, standing on the eleven, or standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, "Men of Judea!" And all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. I know, I always love that line. (laughs) No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declared, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And I'll let you discern which category you're in on that part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even upon my slaves, both men and women. Again, I will read. Even upon my slaves, both men and women. In those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents of heaven above and signs of the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist, the sun shall turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thus ends our inspired reading this morning of the word. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Oh <laughs> right? Good job in all those words. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Glad I didn't have to read that. <laughs> <nice and righteous. laughs> I always thought in seminary they do us a disjustice, not by having just a class to learn how to say certain words in the Bible, certain people. But what stands out to you this morning as you read, as you hear as there's always that fake news. There's always that fake news. Yeah. Somebody's always going to say that this can't be, this can't be real. Mm-hmm. It's fake news. They must be drunk. Must be drunk. Don't believe it. Right. Mm-hmm. What else? I think hearing um, everybody heard the message in their own language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's profound in itself. Wow! Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. What else? There's no right or wrong, just curious. Valna, I love that you raise your hand, but you certainly don't have to. <laughs> um, in verse 17, in the last days it will be, God declares, that phrase strikes me, in the last days. Mm-hmm. What strikes you about that? you 2,000 years later. <laughs> um, so, their anticipation of it being the last days Mm-hmm. Maybe, I mean, I don't know if I'm interpreting that right or not, but there's no right or wrong. So, in the last days, it will be God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men see visions and all. And so, um, <clears throat> it, it's like they're still anticipating or anticipating that the last days are nearby. And yet, to over 2,000 years later, here we still are. And we are still living the book of Acts. Yeah. We sure are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's so interesting to me, this concept of time. Uh, I was uh, reading recently, and said, you know, um, in our modern-day church context, Christian church context, they say, well, this must be the latter days. But the truth is, is that there's an infinity, infinity of God. We might still be part of the early church. Yeah. It's 2,000 years later, but we oftentimes reflect back on the early church, which was during this time, the book of Acts. But Kim, as you're saying, we still are living in the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. And in the grand time scheme of God, we still might be part of the early church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you. Absolutely. Anything else? (gasps) Great. Then let's get into it. And thank you so much for lifting that up. These are beautiful points that we're going to be talking about today. So the book of Acts, a little bit of history about it, is that it is an anonymous writer, although scholars believe that it was written by Luke. So Luke, um, we have as the gospel, and then this is supposed to, there's ideas that this is the second part written by Luke, which is the Acts of the Apostles. Um, So that's the most common understanding as to who wrote this. What I find interesting is a parallel that if we go to Luke 2, we read about the birth of Jesus Christ. That's one of the narratives of the Christmas story. Now we're in Acts 2, and this is known by many as the birth of the church. There's a direct correlation there. So let's go into it a little bit more here. Pentecost. A little bit of the context is what's happening So there has been, as there is oftentimes in the Jewish tradition, a coming together of many, many lambs coming in. There's a power right now and a pressure from the Roman Empire in which people are coming to Galilee. They're coming to Jerusalem. So we have all the different ones that were listed here. They weren't just coming into a feast as much as there's an idea that they may have been migrating for safety to come to be in this place. As they're there, they have different languages. They're gathered together uh, for a feast that's called the Feast of Weeks, um, and Pentecost comes from the word. Let me make sure I'm getting this right. Want to make sure I get this right? Look at that. I wrote it down. Pentecost. Pentecost means it's 50 days after the Passover. We've had the Passover, and if we remember in the Jesus story, Jesus was coming in on Palm Sunday, right? That wasn't too long ago that we were celebrating Palm Sunday. And he came in, bless you, and that's an official bless you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He rides in on the donkey for Passover. And it is during this feast of Passover um, that they we witness the, rest of the uh, crucifixion of Jesus as well. This is 50 days afterwards. And during this time, Jesus has come back a couple of times on the seashore to show to Thomas, to meet with the apostles in their house of fear. And so they've seen that Jesus has told them, I'm going to leave you for a time. You cannot come with me, but I'll be back. And so these apostles, I keep thinking, my goodness, I wonder what it's like for them to be. It was uh, there's the eleven apostles, but the gathering community of Christians, as was not even known at that time, but just this understanding that Jesus Christ was an incarnate of God upon this world, it was around 120 individuals that were numbered that day, and as they're there surrounded by many others of differing languages and cultures and whatnot are also gathering they're all in the same place but what i find interesting is that the apostles and these followers of jesus who knew him on the day in and the day out the life of jesus they're in an area and everyone else comes from different cultures and different understandings and different languages. They're kind of on the outside. And maybe they're just watching people come by. And I wonder at this point, if these apostles are there saying, okay, now what? Yeah, what else do you think they might be going through at that point? Other thoughts? Fear. Hmm? Fear. Fear, absolutely, yeah. What else? Confusion. Confusion. Insecurity. Insecurity. How many of us say, well, I'm just gonna wait until something else happens? They're in distress, you might say. They're uncomfortable trying to figure out, well, is Jesus gonna come again? I mean, he's already showed up multiple times. Is he coming again? We're here, we're feeling the pressure from the Roman Empire. Now keep in mind this this small group of people. They have gone through an ultimate betrayal of one of their own through Judas. So they've gone through heartbreak. Not only that, but they saw their leader, their spiritual rabbi, brutally crucified. It's only been a few months, if even that, fifty days not a whole lot has changed during that time experiences have but not the political climate not the not the gathering outside of them they are trying to piece things together and i don't know about you but i can relate to that part of the story have you ever just tried to piece things together mm-hmm. saying what's next what's happening yeah what was that like for you in that time it's scary mm mm-hmm. Mhm. What else? Curious. Felna, Of course, you would say curious. I so appreciate that about you. Imagine in your own life, sitting in fear, not knowing, having gone through what you didn't even think was possible, waiting. Marcia. Probably they're all looking for signs. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I know I do in my life when strange things start happening to everybody I know, kind of be a sign of something. Yeah? Yeah. I do. I start looking. I get a little more aware of, like, all right, God, what are you trying to tell me here? Right? I'm like, oh, is that maybe it over here? Or is this over here? What is it? What are you? about what it is that i'm hearing i get more intentional about what i'm seeing i try to stay more open even though i also find at the very same time i even get more cynical <laughs> because of that human humanity that i have when i don't know i am a plotter i like a plan i like to know what's coming next and if i if it's not laid out in front of me then i'm just gonna make that decision and say god let me know if there's something else other than that yeah So then, we have an understanding of where they're at. Then, they have something completely out of the ordinary happen. A rushing of violent wind. One of the reasons why today's song uh, for reflection stood out to me. Did any part of that stand out to you? Like what? So a verse, a line. So the answer's blowing in the wind, right? That's right, the answer's blowing in the wind. There's an interesting juxtaposition in this song that I find of talking about very challenging topics. Mm-hmm. Life and death, poverty, cannonballs, the worth of a man, and this idea that it's just blowing in the wind. This idea of the Holy Spirit just being this comforter. But yet we're talking about some really serious issues here that still are relevant today. Thank you, Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. But as I have a feeling as you were hearing that or singing along with it, you had images in our modern day world that were still coming to fruition. But you were able to relate to that song and this idea that it's blowing in the wind. So very comforting. And yet, moving to California, my goodness, I have been introduced to the Santa Ana winds. <laughs> and what do those feel like? Does that feel calming? No, no. no. Uh, <laughs> what? Hot. Hot, right? Exactly. Dusty. Dusty, ah, right? Absolutely. Strong. <gasps> let you take plums off your tree plums off the tree so strong that's right and so we have this wonderful image of this holy ghost this holy spirit this comforter that comes down to dwell at the birth of the church and god saying here you now have my breath upon mankind to be with you that makes me feel good and warm inside but this says that it was a violent wind And so this makes me think that maybe there's a message in there for us that this wind was a change agent. I have been on that hot summer day where I hear I have a breeze that comes by. It's refreshing. And the Santa Ana winds are not that breeze. It comes and it says, whoa, okay, okay, all right. I'm either going to go inside or I'm going to change or I'm going to do something. And I'm wondering if that's what they found just rush over them. On top of it, it goes on to say that they, oh, where is it saying this? Uh, Divided tongues, divided tongues as of fire. And so many times I feel like the church uses the tongue of fire instead of as fire to evoke. That had appeared among them, resting on each of them. There was something transcendent, something extraordinary happening that they had never had that. And prior to this point, that had only happened when Jesus was literally with them. And now they're doing it for themselves. They're experiencing it for themselves. And they don't have Jesus there to say, what does this mean? Help me I understand this. They're again like Mary on the day of resurrection when she goes to touch Jesus. Jesus says, you cannot hold me the way that you once did. You have to trust my presence among you and let that be the transformation. And so now they're having to trust within themselves. It's a lesson in spiritual maturity to say, I trust that I have this with me at all times. I have the power of God with me. This wasn't the first time that the power and the breath of God, this goes back to Adam in Genesis, in which God breathed life into mankind. It's called in the Hebrew word, ruha. This is another testimony of this word, ruha. This time to realize that the wind, the breath, the fire in our own lives, the passion that we have, to be reignited and to say that is of God. It's a day of remembrance in a similar way that we celebrate a birthday. How many of you parents have your children's birthday and you say, oh, I remember the day you were born. Let me tell you about the labor. Let me tell you about how they didn't let me come into my wife's room. Let me tell you about what it was like when you took your first breath or the first time I held you to my chest. On these birthdays, we celebrate, but we take time to remember. And on this Pentecost, that's my hope for you, is to remember what it was like for you. That first time that you had a transcendent experience with God, something else that maybe to the normal walk of everyday life does not make sense. But you just know that it was the breath of God upon you. (coughs) That's the language I think that resonates in every different language. They were able to speak in these different languages in which others said, Wow, I feel seen, I feel known. You're able to talk to me. And those who came forward and said, you must be drunk, you must be crazy. What kind of church are you? What kind of Christian are you? And he, oh, Paul says is, no, or Peter, no, we're not drunk. And I love that line, because it's not yet nine <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> oh, humor in the Bible. <laughs> God forbid, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, <laughs> that's right, I know, I'm just waiting for who's it. the guy with the parrot heads, Jimmy Buffett, to make that song, right, it's 9 o'clock somewhere, okay. but as they take this time, people will accuse you of having a transcendent experience, and unfortunately we do the exact same thing for others who are not in our congregation, Who are you as a non-Christian to have an experience with the divine? Don't you know that Christianity is the only way? Who are you as a certain type of Christian to have an experience? We, if we're honest, we do this ourselves in our own micro aggressive ways. And I know as I look upon our congregation that you know what that feels like too because it's more than likely been done to you in some sort of judgment. And I find on this beautiful Pentecost day, as the wind is rushing into your lives, as the fire is burning, that you find a way, like these apostles, to get grounded in what you have experienced. And when you can stand confidently, like Mary on the resurrection day, who runs to the apostles and just speaks of her own experience of a transcendent Jesus. That you're able to welcome a hospitality and grow not just Christ's church, but God's church in this world. Not just church, but God in this world. I was at Aldi a few months ago, and I had come from church, and I was with Lorena, and we were in the frozen food section. And I saw a woman, and I'm assuming her husband, and I'm assuming their daughter. And she had a hijab on. And to come forward in a collar and say, as alaikum And the look of surprise and amazement on her face. Mm-hmm. Wearing a collar. And to say, I see you. I recognize you. And I'm willing to speak the language that comes to you. To offer a namaste. To offer a greeting, something that makes someone feel so very known. And to say, I can speak this short phrase even, in your language, because we are all beloved of God and we all have power. That is truly when this passion of God rises up in me and ultimately the fire of love that says, I see you and you are beloved and my God, we're in this together in our own ways, speaking our own language, having our own beliefs. You are a human being and I am a human being and together, collectively, we celebrate ruha, which is the breath of God in all of us. That to me is the invitation of Pentecost. So as you go throughout your week, as you take time, and in fact, I'm just gonna take a few seconds right now just take a few moments to breathe what is it that god is igniting in you what is the wind of change that god is inspiring for you uniquely what is that just take a couple of Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 To contact the Menifee United Church of Christ or for more information, go to menifeeucc.org. Thank you for listening.